praise to you, Lord. Your name is worthy of our praise, of our adoration, of our lives. Christ gave his life for us. And by faith through his grace, Lord, we, we give our lives, our hearts to you. Your name is above every other name. You created the world by your hand. All things exist and were created. All honor and majesty belongs to Jesus Christ, the lamb who was slain even before the foundations of the world, who was risen from the dead that we might rise with him. Praise to you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that together we can lift our voices. Now, Lord, allow us to lift our hearts in faith to ascend to the scriptures, to believe what it says, and to live lives worthy of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, please open your Bibles together with me to the book of Philemon. Philemon is after First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus. There you will find uh, Philemon. Uh, we're going to be studying this uh, book, this letter, together over the next uh, two weekends. And over the next two weekends, we are going to be considering um, r- relationships in the church. Uh, I kind of like current affairs, and I've been listening to the news a little bit recently, and I've been hurting the, the word um, softwood lumber uh, talked about recently. Uh, maybe you have too. As uh, the news has come out, there's been a little dispute about trade between Canada and America and, and softwood lumber, and kind of brought me back to grade nine geography a little bit. I didn't like grade nine geography. Uh, and I heard, started hearing words like natural resources and, and the boreal forest. Remember that? The boreal forest. Huge, huge region across the northern hemisphere. Huge region in Canada. Um, the boreal forest is a big forest. In Canada alone, it covers about 60% of Canada's entire landmass. It's a big forest, and it's a pretty old forest too. Um, about uh, the trees in the boreal forest can get up to, on average, about 100 years old, I read this week. Some even can uh, get up to 300 years old. Um, Yet as big as this forest is, as old as this forest is, um, do you remember the devastation, the destruction that happened to a portion of that forest at the Fort McMurray fires last year? In just a couple hours from the spark being lit, 2,600 hectares engulfed in flames. 80,000 people evacuated and displaced, many of whom lost their homes. As big as it is, as old as it is, the smallest flame can engulf a forest. You may have been attending this church uh, for a long time, or you uh, may have recently uh, come from another church that you've attended for a long time. Uh, You may have very close relationships uh, with people in this church, but as long as you may have been attending church, as long as you may, as close as you may have relationships with church, in the church, hurt happens. And we can get burned by each other bad. 
We're studying about relationships in the church through the book of Philemon because while hurt happens, the story of Philemon is going to teach us hurt happens, but reconciliation is right. In the church, hurt happens, but reconciliation is right. We need to know then when hurt happens, how can we reconcile? Next week, we're going to walk the road to reconciliation. A long path, a hard path for many of us. This week, we're going to consider the reasons for reconciliation. Today, we're going to be looking at Philemon, verse 1 to verse 11. So as we often do, would you stand with me now in honor of God as we read his word together? Philemon, chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. This is God's word. It speaks to us today, and this is what it says. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Please be seated, friends. Today is about the reasons for reconciliation. Let me kind of narrow in on the context of this letter to help you understand why relationships and reconciliation are in view over the next two weeks. Paul wrote to Philemon because he was asking him to do a hard thing, a hard thing that many of you may have had to do or maybe even need to do now. Paul was asking Philemon to reconcile with Onesimus. Uh, Onesimus was a man who was um, Philemon's slave who worked in his household. Um, But Philemon deserted his master. And in the process, verse 17 indicates that he may have even stole something from Philemon's house. But after Onesimus left, he came across the apostle Paul who was in prison and evidently, when Phil, uh, excuse me, Onesimus met Paul, Onesimus heard the message of the gospel and was saved. And as you who are brothers and sisters in Christ know, when you are born again, your perspective on life changes. The way you thought about work in the past changes in Christ. The way you think about academics in the past changes in Christ. The way you think about relationships in the past changes in Christ. 
And Onesimus recognized that his perspective must change, that he needed to go back and seek forgiveness and reconciliation with his master. So what is reconciliation? I would say simply this. um, Reconciliation is mending a broken relationship. That's reconciliation. That's what we're talking about. Mending a broken relationship. Failing to reconcile is probably the reason that your favorite band that isn't making music together is no longer making music together. Um, Successfully reconciling, though, is the reason that you might have been able to buy a ticket to the reunion tour of your favorite band that at one time wasn't making music together. Failing to reconcile might be the reason that you're no longer speaking with your old friend from college or the reason that your kids don't want to speak to you anymore or you with your kids or maybe even the reason that you're no longer with your spouse that you made vows to so many months and years ago. But successfully reconciling Grace-saturated, gospel-oriented reconciliation will mend anything torn. And the reason, the reason we can reconcile with others even when you've been burned is because in Christ, you have been reconciled to God. Every one of us has wronged the Father. Every one of us are born sinners. Every one of us, because of our rebellion against God's law and our choice to love the things of the world rather than the God who created them, we are enemies of God. Yet, even though enemies of God, even though having wronged God and sinned against God, God offered a way so that we could be reunited, so that the relationship could be mended. Jesus suffered the punishment of our sins so that we could be forgiven from the punishment of our sins. And you know, follower of Christ, you know that when you recognize that you were in the wrong and when you came back to God, he didn't stand there with arms crossed about time. You should have done this. Lo- he had open arms and received you and cast your sin as far as the east is from the west and is so as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards you. We forgive because Christ has forgiven us. We reconcile with others because we have been reconciled to God. Hurt happens, but reconciliation is right. So what uh, category of experiencing hurt are you currently in? I think all of us are in one of three categories. We're all in the maybe, um, some of us might be in the hurt has happened category. Um, maybe there's in the past you were hurt, but maybe by the grace of God, what happened in the past, you allowed to stay in the past. And isn't it liberating friends when we let what happened in the past stay there? I think all of us, uh, whether we have been hurt or have not are going to be in the hurt will happen category. Um, 
And if you don't think you will one day, you're a little too naive because in the church, there's people like me. (laughs) And I can be a selfish person and I can hurt those I love most. So uh, you might have been in the hurt, has happened, we're all gonna be in the hurt, will happen, but some of us today may be in the hurt is happening category. Maybe the reason you're at this church is because you got burned at another church. Maybe recently someone in your small group did something they didn't even know. They didn't even know that it hurt you, but it's burned you, and it's still raw. Next week, next week, we're gonna talk specifically about the road to reconciliation. And be sure, hurt happens, but reconciliation is right. Today is gonna be about the reasons, but be sure, if you're in the hurt is happening category, you you might not wanna get up. You might not wanna get up from that chair of bitterness and unforgiveness, though you know that chair feels like it's made of tacks. You might not wanna get up from that But, though hurt happens, reconciliation is right. Next week's about the road. This week is about the reasons. And in verse 8 to 11, Paul gives three reasons, but we're not going to get there yet. It's really simple, actually. The reasons are not complicated. There's something more important that we need to address first. You can see, Paul was able to give three simple reasons to Philemon, which he knew he would obey, because he knew Philemon's heart for the church. So there's an important question that we need to ask of ourselves before we understand the reasons for reconciliation. What kind of church do you want to be a part of? What kind of church do you want to be a part of? If we don't care about Jesus and his church, we won't care about each other or reconciling when hurt happens. Uh, If we don't invest into Jesus and his church, we won't invest into others, and when hurt happens, we won't value reconciliation. I wanna have the same heart that Philemon had for his church. We're gonna read verse four to verse seven and let Philemon's heart serve as a model for the heart that you should aim for in this church. So let's read this together. Verse four to verse seven, it says this. I thank my God always, Paul, when I remember you, Philemon, in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon's heart for the church is beautiful. And Paul was thankful for Philemon because he was a man that was filled with faith and love for his church. That's what it says in verse five. I hear of your love and of the faith that you have. Notice three noteworthy aspects about Philemon's faith and love. First, um, Philemon showed an exemplary faith and love. It said, Paul said that he heard of his faith and love. He, he didn't observe, he, he heard. 
So, so mom and dad, you might think that your kid is like smartest kid in the class. I see the way that he does the projects. I see the way that she does her homework. You might observe, but, but maybe they're really the smartest when you start hearing it from others. Yeah, yeah, your daughter, she's smart. Your son, he's smart. You might think that your kid is the best player on the pitch because you see the way that he works, but when someone else starts observing it, that, then you know they're an exemplary player. This was Philemon. Paul heard from others how his faith and love impacted them exemplary. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Filled with faith and love. It was an exemplary. Notice this aspect of his faith and love. Notice the priority of his faith and love. It says, the love and faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Philemon's love and faith was directed first toward Jesus and then naturally as he loved Jesus, he learned to love as Jesus. His priority was to love Christ and then naturally he loved others. Notice this third thing also, the exemplary nature, the priority and also the extent of his love and faith. He says, I hear of your love and faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. All, without prejudging. Not based on their looks, not based on their clothes, not based on the way they speak, the family that they have. Philemon could look at anyone and loved. I believe the reason he was able to have such an exemplary influential love and such an expansive love was because of the second noteworthy aspect, the priority. He loved Jesus first and then could love others as Jesus. The water that rains first on the top of the mountain will naturally flow down to water the valley below it. A lot of you serve in our church in a lot of different capacities, and I thank the Lord for that. But the best thing that you can offer to this church isn't your time in service, isn't the expanse of your service. The best thing you can offer to our church is to seek to love the Lord Jesus with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Because if we're focused on serving first to the neglect of loving Jesus first, we're going to quickly fall into Martha syndrome, right? Why am I doing the work and no one's helping? Yet Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and that can never be taken away from her and that can never be taken away from us. If you want to be filled with faith and love, don't worry about what you can do for others. Seek the Lord who loves you. If you want to, the best thing that you can do for your church, maybe, maybe though you, you're, you're not serving, uh, you're not involved in the church because you're so involved in the world. It's not that you're loving other people too much and neglecting your love for Jesus. It's that you're loving this world that's passing away. Jesus warned us about this. He said, in the last days, because of sin, the love of many will grow cold. And if you feel like your love for Jesus and his church has grown cold, then the best thing that you can do for our church is return to your first love 
confess your sin and come back to the God who is jealous for you and who will never leave you as this world will. I want to be a part of a church that's filled with faith and love. That was Philemon. There's another aspect about the way that Philemon invested into his church. This is found in verse six. Look at this with me. Verse six, get your eyes in the book. It says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Philemon was filled with faith and love and Paul prayed that Philemon and their church would grow together in fellowship. That's the church I want to be a part of. One that's growing together in fellowship. Now, eyes back in the book, look at verse 6. It says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Now, in our English translation, that word sharing sounds like a verb, because in English it is a verb. But in the original language, it's not translated as a verb, it's translated as a noun. The New American Standard translates a little more literally. They say, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective. Now that's an interesting word. Uh, one that I think we uh, misuse and misunderstand a lot. Um, I've been around church a while and seen people use fellowship in so many different ways and I want to kind of understand how other people use it. So I asked my friends on Facebook this past week, hey, when you've heard people use the word fellowship in a Christian lingo way, what do you think that they mean that they think? And these were some of the common things that they said. Um, one person uh, said, uh, fellowship is uh, the name of a room in a building, right? Hey, can I book out the uh, fellowship room so that our small group can have a potluck together, right? Yeah. yeah, not fellowship, all right? Second thing people often said is fellowship is the event name for a social gathering. Yeah, hey, guys, uh, fellowship, bubble tea this Friday. You could be there, right? Yeah, not fellowship, right? Actually, though, the most commonly uh, suggested thing on, on my Facebook feed was actually uh, this. Uh, four hobbits and two men and a dwarf and an elf. And Actually, though, if you're going to compare this example to the other ones given, I think this is the most accurate explanation. Because if you know this movie, you know their fellowship and what the work they had to put in as a group of people. This is fellowship. Fellowship is partnership through participation. Fellowship is partnership through participation. You might say you're a part of the class, but do you show up for the lectures? You might say you're part of the team, but wh why aren't you going to practice? Partnership through participation. Yet, while we can misuse the word fellowship, we can also um, have phony forms of fellowship. Watch out for these. Watch out for these four phony forms of fellowship. Partnership through presence alone is phony fellowship. This is the just showing up attitude. Just showing up to church. Just showing up to small group. It's kind of like just showing up to the Rogers Center. You watch the Blue Jays. You might have gone to the game. That does not mean you're on the team. 
Watch out for this also. Um, partnership through parentage alone is phony fellowship. Your mom and dad might be really involved at this church. Uh, your grandma and grandpa might have been real prayer warriors. Your distant uncle might be a seminary professor at some school and what's it called? And what about you? Partnership through parentage alone is phony fellowship. Watch out for this third form of phony fellowship. Partnership through past participation is phony fellowship. A lot of those who are in youth ministry know my story in high school and some of the things that I experienced. And, uh, in high school, did you know I, I used to play rugby in high school? Uh, I used to actually be pretty good. Uh, I used to be the captain of my rugby team. Um, we used to play some of the best teams in all of Ontario. My coach actually at one point used to tell me that he was my favorite player. Used to play is now no longer playing. If you used to serve, that means you no longer serve. If you used to give, that means you no longer give. If you used to disciple, you are no longer discipling. Past participation is phony fellowship. Okay, well, one more. Partnership through posturing alone is phony fellowship. When eyes are on me, it's like, yeah, I'm in the right spiritual posture. I say the nice spiritual words. I have my Bible open, but when eyes are off me, I go out of my spiritual posture and go and do whatever I want to do. Eyes back on, back. Fake. That's not real. That's phony. Fellowship is partnership through participating. Are you on the bench or are you in the team? Because friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a partner and your participation is valuable. You've been given the Holy Spirit if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has given to you gifts to bless others in the church. He's entrusted them to you. Are you going to bury it in the ground or are you going to invest it in the markets? You see, fellowship is partnership uh, through participation and it has a purpose. Look down again at the Bible, verse six. What is the purpose? And I pray that the sharing, the fellowship, the partnership through participation of your faith may become effective. We want effective fellowship. We want to grow together. Why? For what purpose? For the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us. For the sake of Christ. Listen, every good thing that is in us is actually not from us. Any good thing that is in a follower of Jesus is Christ in the follower of Jesus. So the purpose of our fellowship is to grow in the knowledge of Christ in us through the, your serving, through your sharing, through discipleship. We are to grow together. And we each have an equal part to play. No one on the stage is any more valuable or has any more value they can add than you can. No one in the office has any more value they can add than you can. So, so get in the game, friends. We have an equal part to play.
these are the two things so far that we've seen that Philemon has added to his church, the heart that he has for the church, the heart that I want to have for my church, the heart that I hope you want to have for your church, that he was filled with faith and love, he was growing together in fellowship, and finally, I want to be a part of a church that's refreshed through fellowship. I want to be a part of a church that's refreshed. Verse 7 says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. True fellowship, not bubble tea, not potluck, true fellowship will be like a spring of living water. Every time you come back to it, it's overflowing. Every time you come back to it, it satisfies your thirsty soul. But if we don't move, if we don't participate, then we will stagnate in a church. And when water stops flowing and gathers together, that stagnation, will, bacteria will grow in it, and it will be poisonous to drink. But if when we gather together, we are seeking to share in, to participate in the sharing and the discipling of the full knowledge of Christ in us, confessing our sins in the way that we're disoriented from the gospel, and speaking the truth in love to reorient our minds back on the gospel, man, you're not going to miss a week of fellowship. You're not going to miss a week of small group. You're going to be right here in the room, right at service start, because you taste and see that the Lord is good and want more with your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the type of church that I want to be a part of. One that is filled with faith and love one that is growing together in fellowship, and one that is refreshed through our fellowship. Yet, even in a church that is the most refreshing and the most satisfying, hurt happens. Hurt happens in this church. Hurt happens in your family. Hurt happens, but reconciliation is right. So if we know the heart that we should have now, and if you have the heart, then the reasons which God's word will now present, they'll be easy to understand and they'll be easy to apply. But for some of you, you may hear these reasons and it's gonna be hard to hear them. And you're still gonna feel like, nah, I just wanna sit on this thumbtack-filled chair and I know what hurts, but I'd rather be here. Reorient your mind on Christ. He forgave you, you. He forgave me. So what are the reasons? Well, they're found in verse eight to nine. Let's get our eyes back in the book. Listen carefully to these. Consider them seriously. Verse eight, accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now indeed he is useful to you and to me. Hurt happens, but reconciliation is right. Here's the first reason that we must reconcile. Reconcile because it's 
always right. See, Paul told Philemon, listen, I'm not going to force you to do this. I'm going to ask you to do this. But I could force you to do it. Why? Because it is what is required. In the church, reconciliation is what is required as a result of the gospel. Now understand that the context that we're talking about, about relationships and reconciliation, is like us who we see here, brothers and sisters in Christ. But that doesn't exclude the fact that if you've been hurt in the world, you should seek reconciliation. Romans 12, verse 17 to 18 says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. We should try and seek to reconcile with those outside of the church who have hurt us, but specifically in view is the church now. And the reason, the ultimate reason is the gospel. The gospel makes it always right. Ephesians 5.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ, Christ forgave you. Though in our stubbornness we try to fabricate and manufacture, option B, option C, option D, there is an only option A. Reconciliation is always right. Second reason for reconciliation, reconcile for the sake of love. Reconcile for the sake of love. Eyes back in the book, verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. Though he could have commanded Philemon to do what is right and reconcile, Paul wanted the highest Christian virtue to prevail. Paul wanted love to prevail. And remember, by directing his love towards Jesus first, Philemon then would have heard this and would have willfully complied, not compulsively, com uh, compellingly obeyed. He would have done it willingly. To refuse to reconcile, though, to refuse to reconcile is to not let love prevail, but rather to surrender to lovelessness. And if we do not have love in the church, we, we have nothing. You remember 1 Corinthians 13, that passage that's always read at, at, at weddings? You know that one? 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong and clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all I have and deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. This worship center could be filled eight times over every weekend, but if we do not have love, we have nothing. We each could be filling the offering plates with gold bricks every week, but if we have not love, we have nothing. Our youth ministry could be bigger than Markville Secondary School down the road, but if we have not love, we have nothing. 
the worship production on Sundays could be to a higher quality than your favorite pop star on their world tour. But if we have not love, we have nothing. Shut it down because we're no better than a community center. We must reconcile for the sake of love. We must let love prevail because if we don't, we will be nothing better than a godless social club. Two reasons so far. Reconcile because it's always right. Reconcile for the sake of love. And then finally, reconcile because every Christian is useful. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says this, Formerly he, Onesimus, was useless to you when he was not in Christ. But now, because he is in Christ, he is indeed useful to you and to me. To refuse to reconcile is to count another brother and sister in Christ useless, who God has said is useful. To refuse to reconcile with another brother and sister in Christ and thus discounting them as useless is to ascend to a seat of judgment that God himself will never sit on. To refuse to reconcile, thereby discounting a brother and sister in Christ as useless, is to thereby count the Holy Spirit who dwells in that brother and sister in Christ as useless. Far be it from us to make that kind of judgment. This is foolish to think we do not need another person so I will not reconcile with them. It's, it's foolish like thinking because I only wear sandals for two months of the year and they're covered for the other 10 months, I might as well just cut my toes off because no one sees them anyway. Every Christian is useful. Each of you have a vital role to play. The person that has hurt you has a vital role to play. The person you hurt has a vital role to play. We must reconcile because every Christian is useful. In the church, hurt happens, but reconciliation is right. There's a lot of what ifs, I know. I don't know your circumstance, but uh, what, what if this person hurt me and they hurt me this way? And what if, what if that person hurt me and they hurt me this way? And should I do this, but what this, but what that? And Next week, we're gonna walk the road to reconciliation. This week, we need to grapple with the reasons. Do we have the heart? I'm thankful that I worship at a church that holds up the gospel as its standard for godliness. I'm thankful that I worship it as a church that holds up the gospel as its standard for unity because I know that I worship it as a, at a church that's full of people just like me, those who sin and hurt the very people they love. And I know, I know that I do stand amongst a people who want to be a part of a church in the same way that I want to who wants to be filled with faith and love, who wants to grow in fellowship together, who wants to be refreshed through that fellowship. I'm thankful for the Lord 
that I stand amongst the people who share in this same faith and this same desire. Reconciliation is right. Hurt happens. And even if it's hard to realize that you have to stand up off of that thumbtack-filled chair, today's the day to stand up. Today's the day to act by faith. Today's the day to tell your brother and sister and let them know how they've hurt you as Jesus told them we must. Today's the day to ask forgiveness from someone because you know that you've hurt them. Linger not in unbelief. Stand up in faith. You may be right now in the hurt is happening category. Remember, friends, Christ forgave you. He forgave you. He forgave me. We hold out nothing other than the gospel as the reason for why we all must seek to be reconciled. Let us be a church that is filled with faith and love, that is growing in fellowship together, and that is refreshed as we do so, even though hurt may happen. Let us be a people who seek reconciliation. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Father in heaven, thank you that Christ has forgiven us We did not deserve your forgiveness, but you did not have your hands folded. When we came back to you, your arms were open and you received us. Lord, let us receive each other as Christ has received us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for this church. We may be your body. You are are the head. Christ is the head. Let us follow the head of the church and forgive others as we have been forgiving. Let us invest into this church that we may be filled with faith and love, that we may be growing in fellowship and refreshed through that fellowship, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your son. Let him be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.